Heads up, this episode was originally recorded on the 31st of the 5th, 2020. Us guys here at Ace Comicals, everyone should have a voice and everyone should be included and treated equally regardless of race, colour, religion, gender or sexual orientation. It's in our motto. Yes, in the wording, it's comic-centric, but we do stand for these values, whether we're talking about freedom of expression in comics or in the world in general. Now more than ever, we take a stand for this. We stand and are counted, shoulder to shoulder, in solidarity and support, for the end of racism, for the end of police brutality and fascist ideals. We believe that being a good ally means that it's not enough to not be racist, but that one needs to be actively anti-racist. This means decentering yourself, listening, educating yourself and then others your friends your family your colleagues and your classmates black lives matter with all of that said friends i hope this episode can bring you a little bit of joy and uh maybe a smile to your face for the next hour or so so let's go you're listening to ace comicals i'm greg joined by my co-host leon let's do this Welcome to Ace Comicals, episode number 89. Today, I am joined by Just Leon. Good evening. So, how have we been over the past two weeks in these strange times? Uh, it's It's been rough, man. It's yeah. It's been rough. <laughs> yeah, it's been rough. Yeah, it's not, it's not been <clears throat> an easy couple of weeks, I don't think. I mean, you only need to look at your social media feeds, I think, to get the idea of what's going on. And to understand why it's not been an easy couple of weeks for anyone. And the fight is necessary and it's real. And we all have to stand up and be counted, I think. Yeah, I mean, like, I'd say 2020 has been a hell of a year. Yeah, But um, I'm, we're, we've not even completed May yet. But I think that hopefully when we get to the end of this... We can see that we've made some pushes in the right direction, and uh, and and have not slid backwards. Uh, mm. And and this is the thing: um, all all of the news and everything just constantly reminds you that the world hasn't stopped, even though sometimes it it, it might feel that it has. But the world hasn't stopped, and um, all of the structural uh things that are there or the stuff under the surface all of that it hasn't taken a break because of people being in lockdown and all, yeah. all these uh these systems whether they be of like oppression or systems that sort of benefit a, a certain class of people that, that that hasn't taken a break and we've seen we've seen that uh well that like while people have been losing their jobs other people have been becoming uh been getting even richer so it, it is is a strange um confluence of of events isn't it it is yeah it's it's you've got on the one hand you've got people where the world appears to have stopped for them where they're stuck at home and things like that and then you've got like the vultures picking at the carcass 
um, companies like Amazon making way more money than they have any right to <laughs> mm. in such a situation. And it, it just feels ultra skeevy to me that they're, they're kind of getting away with it. And, you know, they must be getting like government contracts and all sorts. Oh, uh, they've got them like yeah. for defense and surveillance and all that stuff. No, but like, I mean, for like um, other stuff, like even for what's going on now with the pandemic. Oh, yeah, of, like, getting PPE and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's quite awful. But that's the thing. It's, like, um, I want to, like, mention up front just, like, solidarity of, like, the protests taking place in the U.S. right now and RIP and justice for George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and just countless, countless more. And... um, I would just add to people who feel kind of like, what should I do? Because, uh, like, for us here, we're in the UK. Um, but I would just add very basic things you could do is educate yourself. So many resources out there. Donate to a, a, a cause that will benefit and uh, do the necessary work of talking to your peers and family about mm. some uncomfortable subjects because uh i don't know like silence and complacency just makes this stuff uh fester mm. and uh we can't place the burden of progress or change on the few who are being oppressed by it but those of privilege need to sort of get up and help out exactly ace comicals uh stands up and, and is counted <laughs> um i yeah i i i kind of echo those sentiments and I, I feel like i feel like there's always more we can do and there's like there's um tons of like bail funds knocking around that you can mm. donate to and things like that at the moment to keep the protesters out of jail is that that's something you've seen right yeah yeah there's yeah, uh, uh, yeah. loads of different uh avenues for that um there's uh, funds that are going directly to uh, the families of, of uh, the people who have been been uh, murdered. There are mm. funds that that are there for um, like uh, a- a- activism and supporting um, like uh, reform, whether it be like police reform or criminal justice reform. Um, there's there's a there's a lot out there, and you can choose the lane that you personally think will do the most change or uh where your heart lies there's a there's a lot of different options out there so uh you just all you need to do is just jump online and yeah you'll you'll find them yes um so what have you actually been up to in the past two weeks then leon um, so apart from just endlessly, endlessly scrolling Twitter and getting more and more depressed, but then uh, seeing sort of solidarity um, and uh, the, the positive effects of the efforts people are making, which has brought some joy in, in, in the darkness to me, um, I have also been trying to be mindful to not spend too much time on social media so i have limited my time even before the last week or two 
uh, to not checking it whenever I get bored or whatever and just scrolling for hours. And no, I, I limit it. And I try not to do the thing where I wake up and check Twitter as well, because that's an awful way to start the day. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. So um, in terms of, say, I won't say as far as distraction, but in, in, in terms of like occupying my time, I found myself like rewatching a bunch of things. Um, so I, I rewatched um, like Civil War mm. uh, the other day, which was which was quite fun. Uh, I rewatched Endgame. Well, uh, just uh, Justice League. God, uh, I, I rewatched um, uh, Infinity War and did I, Endgame. Did I just hear you say you rewatched Justice League? No, I did not. I'm waiting for the Snyder Cut. You see? Oh, uh, I, I, uh, I thought. <laughs> I thought I heard you say Justice League. Just... There's a slip, slip of the tongue. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I rewatched both, uh, both of those Marvel movies, and that yeah. was that was fun. It, it's it's cool because the last time I've rewatched all these things is when I did my big um, like rewatch of all the MCU in the run up to Endgame. Yeah. So it's nice, sort of picking, choosing some of these movies out of order and just having a watch. Why did I watch them? I don't know. Um, I was either influenced because maybe a podcast or something mentioned them uh or i was um i don't know just in the mood for something because the, i think yeah the mcu movies um uh, and the star wars movies are quite like um they're like a comfort food and mm. there's something that you can just rewatch a million times and i always find that they get better on a re rewatch because i'm i'm yeah. always a bit cooler on these movies when they first come out Mm. Uh, and then subsequent rewatches, uh, I enjoy what's there more than than not enjoying what's not there. If you know what I mean. Yeah. And um, you, you fall more into the rhythms of of them. Um, so I've been doing that, um, and trying to think because the, the problem is we're at a time now where, in terms of my um, entertainment interests uh it kind of blurs into one i can't remember what was last week or what was two months ago in terms of uh what was i was watching or like reading because like yeah. i'm sure i've brought up um that i rewatched some of the star wars movies and watched the documentaries on the last podcast we did but yeah who could tell <laughs> exactly yeah no you did i remember um <laughs> that feels like it could be yesterday yeah could could your recent marvel exploration have anything to do with the fact that there's all this like buzz about x-men joining the mcu recently yeah, it's kind uh, of like bubbled back up to the surface and everyone yeah. kind of thinks there's going to be a wolverine yeah i've, I've seen that it, it wasn't uh, affected by that um so i don't know if i've um expressed it on cast on the podcast before but uh i'm not a big fan of the X-Men being part of the Marvel Universe and less so of being part of the MCU. Because mm. I feel that while it's cool for the cross-up stuff, uh, crossover stuff, sorry, and seeing all these people working together and all that, all that, uh, all those shenanigans, I kind of feel the X-Men world doesn't make sense when connected with the Marvel world. Hmm. They, it, they, um, I think all of this doesn't all of this come from something about um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, the TV series that they're getting. 
Um, oh, is that where the, these uh, rumours originate? Yeah, because it's, it's like this whole thing, like, because the word, the word Madripoor has been thrown about. And apparently some of this is going to, some of the, the, the series is going to take place in the country of Madripoor, which is the place that Wolverine likes to go to for his, for his jolly holes a lot. So... <laughs> We'll see it would what be hilarious for them to backdoor into X Men, yeah. a highly cinematic franchise in in a TV show. But uh, we'll yeah, we'll see what happens. I think I, that's I I think that's what people think are gonna ha- is going to happen. I From think they're going to be disappointed, seen. but uh, we'll see. And you've got all these people just leaping on the word Madripoor. Yeah, because yeah. I think what it is <clears throat> is a more sort of geeky thing where it's like a reference. Yeah, uh, and I think the MCU. Because we there's like a Fantastic Four reference in the last yeah. Spider-Man movie. I think it's just their way of like building the world, but I don't think mm. we're going to see Logan running around clawing stuff up. But everyone goes to Madripoor. <laughs> I've read like hundreds of comics where people have ended up where characters have ended up in Madripoor. You know, Madripoor is like the place if you're if you're one of these like. Marvel heroes that operates in shades of grey, then you've probably found yourself in Madripoor at some point, you know. <laughs> so it doesn't necessarily mean Wolverine, although Wolverine is known for his love of Madripoor. He's like, you know, like these um these middle-aged old couples that visit Benidorm every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of like that. But yeah. Um so yeah, I mean, my I, I've been like keeping an eye on this X Men stuff because it'd be. I think it. I I kind of disagree with you a little bit, Leon, because I think that it would be nice to see the X Men introduced into the MCU done the right way. I think um, you've got. I mean, like you've got X Men that are members of the Avengers, and you've got X Men that turn up in Spider Man. I think in the next Spider Man movie, it would be nice to see some X Men characters, like maybe like Kate Pride. Hmm. or something you know the, the thing is up. though i think w- one of my reasons why i prefer them separate is especially especially in, in terms of the mcu like is the intention that people start only discovering mutants now because if that's the case then i could see them making it work but if it's a case where uh mutants have been around for decades and have been um like discriminated against and and oppressed, it makes no sense in the MCU. Especially since they went to great pains to make out that quick um Quicksilver and um Scarlet, Scarlet Witch. Witch we're not called that in the movies <laughs> for, yeah. for previous legal reasons. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um it, it would be interesting for them to try and like retcon that. In the same way that they, in, in a way, like in a way that they might be able to retcon it in the comics, hmm. like because in the in comics they would retcon that without even thinking twice. They just do it, and you wouldn't even question it. Yeah, but, I think the maybe the five year time skip that we got during Endgame will f- help facilitate some of that. But I think yeah. it's going to be weird if they if they're acting like. Uh, mutants have been around the whole time in the MCU. I think either it's got to be, we're only just discovering mutants now, but then I think that robs some of the texture of X-Men, because the thing I love about X-Men 
Yeah. Is that mutants have been here since the dawn of time. Exactly. And um, like they have been like part of society and um, they obviously they're an analog and an XB for like uh, certain things like the civil rights movement, um, stuff like that. And I think that adds uh, like texture and like it deepens the world when it's a yeah. thing where it's like it affects more people than just the cool superheroes mm. that we know. But the fact that loads of people have, have got these abilities or are different and are being um, discriminated against. Like it would be yeah. weird to just be suddenly like, oh, we've got this new class of people, but it's cool because we've got the X-Men now. But we'll see. Like I'm not we'll a see, yeah. I'm not a Hollywood screenwriter. So well, I mean they've got they've got the um, the retconners toolbox now because like the full retconners toolbox because they've got time travel. Yeah, and it's time travel that's not even reliant on the Infinity Stones. They've got the Infinity Stones as a whole separate thing to the time travel, so they can do whatever the fuck they want right now. <laughs> like they've just opened the doors to everything. They can use they can use those tools however they choose. They could, yeah, but yeah, I mean, if they for them to bring the X Men in, they'd have to do it right. And I think for it to work, yes, mutants would have to be a new thing. I think I think that's something where mutants would have to be something that have happened post post time skip and have been discovered since the world has started getting itself back together again. And people have just been hiding their abilities and stuff. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. It could be. Yeah. It could be great. It could be great. Um, and uh, yeah. So like my two weeks um have been Halo and board games. Um, lots of Halo online. Um, which um which Halo is this? of reach halo reach. 2 anniversary edition it's the master chief collection on steam mm. so i've just been playing that and it's it's really really good but i've been encountering an issue encountering an issue lately where um it's i had to basically uninstall and reinstall the whole game because it was the only way i could get it to stop or recognizing its own map files as cheat software it's like the anti-cheat measures that come with the game, the anti-cheat software that comes with the game to stop people from being skeevy online yeah. has gone rogue and started cannibalizing the game itself. And you got caught cheating. And now yeah, I got, I got a ban. <laughs> I got a ban for trying to play on a map that the game thought was a cheat file. Like it's like, it's like this map is on this playlist and you're telling me that it's an anti-cheat incident because I tried to play on that map. It's such a weird bug to get. I know. It's like it's weird sort of autoimmune bug. Yeah. Game just like cannibalizing itself. Exactly. It's so so bizarre, and like going on going through Steam and verifying the files through Steam doesn't fix it, because I did that like four or five times before I just gave up and decided to uninstall it and reinstall it all. So, go figure. But yeah, How I mean. Hmm? How is it going? Like once once you did it all, how's how's uh, it been playing online? How has you been a kid again? To, yeah, it, it appears to be working fine now, and yeah, it, it it is nice to be a kid again. 
um, and just just enjoy Halo like I used to. Um, and playing through the campaigns again as well. Um, like I even bought, I went out and bought an Xbox pad. Well, I didn't go out and buy an Xbox pad because I can't go out and buy an Xbox pad. But I went and got an Xbox pad from, um, uh, like a, a wired Xbox pad that I can use with my PC. Yeah, uh, an Xbox One pad or. Um, yeah, it would be an Xbox One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love those. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I got one a few months ago after using like the 360 and a PS4 pad for quite a while. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely vouch for the Xbox One pad on a PC. Feels really definitely. good, especially with, this... in, with a Halo. I can imagine. Oh my god, yeah, with FPSs and and having like the old control schemes available as well, like bumper jumper and stuff. So, mm. Yeah, but this is. Um... The one I've got is the it's a Power A one, so it's an officially licensed um, Xbox One pad, but it's made by a company called Power A. It's got like turbo buttons on it. No, it hasn't. No, <laughs> it's it's it just looks like a standard Xbox One pad. There's nothing extra on it. There's no turbo switches. There's no slow mo switches. There's no extra handles or grips on it or anything or weird logos it's just it's it's a pretty good pad actually it only cost me 20 quid that's not bad so, yeah and it doesn't feel cheap either <laughs> like most officially licensed third-party shite can but no yeah it's, it's good and it does the trick and it's actually really good playing on it so i'd recommend those um yeah board games i've been playing a board game called reef where you build a coral reef and match patterns uh, a lot of strategy involved in that and you have to think like six moves ahead all the time to try and score points and it's pretty cool gets you gets your brain moving another one we've been playing is photosynthesis where you strategically plant trees so this is like a little bit more like a match more of a match of wits than reef is and you um it's like playing chess but with planting trees okay so you've got the board, the sun moves around the board and you've got different plots on the board. The further into the center of the board you get, the more points those plots are worth because the soil is richer. So you want to plant your trees towards the center. But if someone's tree is taller than yours and is further out on the outside, it will block when the sun moves around to that side of the board, it will block your tree and your tree won't be able to photosynthesize. So you've got to you've got to like find ways to maximize the amount of sunlight you can get because you need sunlight to to make more trees because you have to have sunlight to make seeds to plant seeds to make more trees etc mm. to score points because you can only score points when your tree is fully grown and you decide to take it off the board. And so, I take it these are games that you can play with just two people? Yes, that was oh, the whole cool. point. Yeah. The whole reason I bought them was because they are like two players or more. So because most, I think I've said this previously on another cast, like me and Sophie realize that most of the games we've got are like, you need more than two players to make them work well. So we, we grabbed these. Um, I've got my Amazon prime, like sorted myself out with Amazon prime TV so I can watch stuff. Uh, because as I, I've ran out of things that I actually want to watch <laughs> on Netflix and everywhere else. So I've got a few things on my list from Amazon Prime now. Um, I've got Hunters to watch. 
Um, and I really wanted to watch um, Swamp Thing because that's on there. I'm super excited about Swamp Thing, actually. Because it looks really good, but I don't know. So we'll see how that comes up. Yeah, that was the show that got screwed, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. They cancelled it after project. one season, even though yeah. um, they didn't give it a chance, basically. Yeah, it, it was something to do with the amount of money that got spent. Mm. Exceeding the amount of money that they actually had or something like that. It was is a weird, weird circumstance that... Um, I mean, I'd have to, I, I wouldn't, I can't tell you off the top of my head exactly what happened, but I just know it was a movie. Yeah, it was a while back. Yeah. And it wasn't that they didn't believe in the show or think the show was going to do well either. It was literally down to budgeting, but. Yeah, because I remember, not to go off on a tangent too far, but the 90s Spider-Man uh, cartoon that we, uh, we all love, that sort of died in a similar way. It wasn't cancelled. It's just that when I think it was Fox Animation, um, when they were transferring or something like that, it was just uh, deemed not to continue that show. Like it did. Yeah. And it, it is basically business. It wasn't like it had poor ratings or anything. Mm. And so it meant that we never got <laughs> any uh, closure. Exactly. But yeah, um, that's been my past two weeks. That and uh, tons and tons of... Um like stuff I've been rediscovering comics wise, Hellboy, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, oh yeah, I need to, I need to mention like in amongst everything else that we've been talking about recently now that's been happening over the past two weeks and whatever comics are back. They started shipping again. Um, DC have made like new DC day now, which is a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday. So DC were seeking, um, a different way to distribute comics during the whole uh, COVID crisis, um, when di during the time that Diamond was shut down, DC were like, okay, let's see if we can find another way to distribute comics. And what DC are doing now is they've started distributing on Tuesdays. They, they've started, they've, they've releasing comics on Tuesdays now instead. So they have new DC day. Um, and they've started releasing comics again on Tuesdays. So like, I now have two days a week where I buy comics. Yeah, that's wild. So yeah. is it just across the board, all of their titles? Um, It feels like it so far, but I don't know because I haven't been able to step into a comic shop to see what's there and what's not on a Tuesday. Um, Because obviously, rightfully so, shops aren't open again yet. Have the... um In the UK. The sites that give... I guess the sites that give all the previews and stuff are US centric, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, I can see from um, like looking at Comicsology and things that it, it appears to be like the majority of their titles. They haven't um, released any Batman ongoing yet, so like the ongoing Batman title, they've not got back onto that yet because I think they wanted this big. They had they had plans for a big a big thing because they were going to launch this new character punchline and um i think i think they had plans for a big a big launch for that but they've not been they've not released they've not been releasing those i think i think next week they're gonna they're gonna um start putting batman back on the stands hmm. but they haven't been putting batman on the stands so far um we've had some batman beyond we've had some aquaman we've had some flash things like that 
um, and like various other DC titles, like the um, the Joe Hill stuff, the Joe Hill horror stuff, the Hill House imprint. Uh, they've been coming out on Tuesdays, so I've been buying those on Comicsology. Um, but yeah, and like everything else, like, so you've got all the DC stuff on Tuesdays now, and then everything else on Wednesdays. So we'll see how that pans out and what happens at the. I mean, I've not really looked into what's happening at LCSs in the US because a lot of them aren't open, um, or you know, I don't, I don't know who's getting what when. Mm. So, I mean, I know that they've sort of like been slowly easing back into it. So, um, we'll see what happens next Wednesday, uh, which. I'm hoping because I think by then things are start going to start to be back in full swing. So, and we'll see what happens when the comic shops open again in the UK, because I don't know. Because Diamond, I don't know what what stock they will and won't have. Like what deliveries they're going to get, whether they're going to get all the titles they should have had, or whether everything's been pushed forward or what. Um, I assume everything's been pushed forward, and that everything's now going to get a different release date starting on that wednesday or whatever but i don't know we'll see what happens uh but comics are back and uh because comics are back um we're starting to see new ideas and new comics floating around again which is really exciting um so there's some new stuff on the horizon um like companies are putting out previews again we're getting some press regarding um things that are to be released things that are coming out later on in the year which is nice and hopeful stuff to look forward to um rather than it just being this complete dead dust bowl um which it had been i mean obviously it needed to be shut things needed to shut down because guess what there's a deadly virus out there but like it's it's nice to see everything coming back again. Like this, this, like this feeling of spring. If you understand. Yeah. yeah. Comics are starting to come back again and it feels nice to be able to see these things again. So, um, we've got a couple of previews from vault comics that were given to us by vault. Um, we have, um, We've had Engine Ward and Bleed Them Dry. And I've got the first two issues of Bleed Them Dry. And we've had issue one of Engine Ward to check out, which are um, fairly early previews. Um, the release for Engine Ward issue one, that's out on July 15th, 2020. Um, and uh, Bleed Them Dry is currently, um, the current date for that is June 24th, 2020. So that's when they will be hitting stands. Um, we will start with uh, Bleed Them Dry. And um, I just want you to do me a favor. I just want you to picture something for me. So picture this. You're 20 years old. Buddy rings you up. <laughs> he's, he's stoked and he asks you to come over. This, this VHS he got for a steal on eBay, it's arrived. Okay? It's summer. You're unemployed. You've got fuck all else to do. It's a Thursday afternoon. So what do you do? You make your way over to his house and you grab some beers on the way. When you get there, the video goes into the player, the TV goes on, and the first thing you hear is this. Ugh. 
Yes. That manga entertainment trailer. That amazing manga entertainment trailer. Um, and yes, we are talking about manga UK videos and um, this is bleed them dry. Uh, and this comic feels like a distillation of everything that drew me to these types of stories contained on these videos. Um, to me, it feels like a love letter to all the best late eighties and early nineties cyberpunk anime. And for that, I love it because it took me back to sitting on my mate's sofa in his living room, like, in a summer like he's still wearing his work uniform or whatever because he's just got off work and then like picked up his picked up this video from this the post post office on the way home and then like called me and being like greg you've got to come over and see this <laughs> so yeah this is um this is this is where it took me and uh, i'm gonna read you a synopsis the year is 3333 Earth is in a state of recovery. Vampires are real. And though far less populous, they thrive alongside humans in the Japanese-engineered megacity known as Asylum. People have come to understand that some immortals are good and some are bad, and most navigate the world without incident. There is peace, that is, until now. Someone is brutally murdering vampires, and Detective Harper Halloway has been assigned to the case. To solve it, she'll have to unearth a, de a much deeper truth. The future of humanity has been edited. Ooh. So imagine that written on the back of a DVD case, Leon. I can. I can, feel, I can feel the texture of the case in my hand. Oh, yeah. Um. So that on the back of a DVD or video case, yeah, totally. And, like, the art is great. It has this, like, this real old-school anime edge to it and, like, the locales and the character design and fine lines and detail combined with watercolors so it's got like this kind of like real old school feel about it anyway um it feels yeah it, it it's i want to say like warm animated sketch feeling to it that's just like it, it just this is it just it just says that error to me and the way it looks and, and the way it's laid out, it could be stills from an animation. And this is some great cyberpunk. It, it's a great story with some fantastic action beats that really leap off the page. There's so much movement in some of these panels. And the use of shadow and lighting to build tension towards the conclusion of issue one, like those last five pages making up like my favorite sequence in this book. And like, I mean, I was talking about this um on the uh the the group chat that we have the says comicals guys have like earlier this week when i was reading it and um i was like talking about some of the dialogue in it hmm. <laughs> so even the dialogue in places like pay, pays homage to these stories that inspired this book like clearly inspired this book like lines that have that potty mouth hard edge 90s dub charm you know? yeah yeah <laughs> it's just like stacking f1s yeah, a cup of shit is still a cup of shit. <laughs> you put something like you still you put you put shit in my cup. It's still a cup of warm shit or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And what what did you make of this then, Leon? Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed this. Um, I am super fond of that era um, of the sort of manga VHS 
Celtic Frost uh, era. That's yeah. where um, I discovered a lot of um, like classics and mm. films that uh, that still stick with me now. Yeah, and you, you can definitely feel uh, like the influence of that era or of of, of anime. Mm. Um, and I like how there are a lot of, uh, say, high concept uh, ideas here, but um, it's all just like it, it's utilizing the cool aesthetic of it to mm. the, the the best way possible. So it's like, why are like cyberpunk and vampires? Why the hell not? And it's just loads of stuff like that. It's like. People have guns, but they also have swords. And it, there's so many decisions like that where it's like the, just the design of some of these characters. Like there's a vampire detective who's got all white hair and a sword. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, the, the lead character has got like these uh, this really cool design where she's got like uh, braids and they're tied up and she has like two uh, like hoop herrings. And it, it gives her like such a sort of cool like silhouette um which makes her a cool character the use of like uh blood uh like speckles uh and my, my favorite absolute favorite device use is when um people uh like say vampires are cut in half and we get like a panel splitting into like you'd get in a like a a samurai uh anime or manga because you know what would happen? It would just be pitch black screen and then the red line would appear down yeah. at the end of the screen. Then it would fade in with the person and then they just like split. S slide down, yeah. Yeah. So like uh, all, all that stuff's held really cool. I like just, yeah. um, there's a lot of like genre tropes here, but like um, played for like sort of like a fun nostalgia where you have like this, uh, this like angry police chief and you have these uh, neon lit streets and it's funny when the air like free 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 but it has a lot of the same uh creature comforts yeah. and just designs that we have now like we have diners with coffee we have kitchen knives and all this stuff but yeah but like it, it's very much in that in that framing in that in that lineage in that yeah. um that as you say late 80s early 90s um like uh anime where it's um hard edge and tough and um we have like a cool sci-fi concept but then people yeah. are just acting normal and i i do really appreciate that and i think that the world building here is nice because they don't often stop the comic and explain the world uh mm. there's like one instance of that kind of in issue two but for the most part, um, it's more like a flashback. It's not like someone explained to someone, okay, this is the, 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 we see the world through their eyes. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that because I, I do like when we're not given all the details, but we're slowly pulled in. And there's a lot of things that we just have to accept. There's vampires. Um, we're, we're in like a, a, an asylum state. But um, all of those things... Uh, uh, add more than just texture to the story, but they actually add like a nice foundation. Mm. Uh, and there's a lot of just really cool framing in here, like um, 
lot of really great use of like um say internal uh panels in a, in a larger panel and like um like cool silhouette shots and just cool action I mean, when you've got a thing where people have like samurai swords or katanas uh just the movement uh just the the poses all look really uh like cool and mm. they help um like build this world and help uh like aim to uh, get us invested in the, in this in the story and what's happening with these characters yeah indeed um like just going back there's some some great shots in some of the panels here i'm trying not to get too spoilery and deep uh in what happens and how it plays out and things because this is a preview and yeah it's not uh, out forever <laughs> yeah it's not out till june man uh it's well it is it, it will be june when you listen to this but it's not out till mid-june towards the end of june and i i need you guys to go out and pre-order and buy this so um it is such a brilliant book like i am fully invested in this story I want to see where it goes and what happens next. And yeah, I, I just love, I love its reverence for, for that time and, and that place. And, you know, like the era of mini mosh pits on the sofa when Celtic frost plays, you know, it's, mm. it's like, it's all of that. And it's just like, yeah, I, I, I want more, I want more stuff like this. And yeah, when you were sort of talking about the year 3333 or as, as, you know, I used to like to say so far in the future, you can't argue with it. <laughs> like, <laughs> but one day it is going to be 3333 and people are going to be looking back at that book and they're going to be like, life's nothing like this. <laughs> <laughs> Just like we do now when, when we look at stuff that was written in the seventies or whatever. So that is, um, bleed them dry. And, uh, we had the first two issues, uh, issue one, Again, is hitting the stands June 24th. So get out there, ask for it, get your LCS to save it for you. If you can do so safely, get your LCS to save it for you and uh, get hold of a physical copy somehow. And if you can't get hold of a physical copy, you'd be able to find it, I'm sure, on digital channels like uh, Comixology and such. Uh, so credits for Bleed Them Dry. We have uh, written by Hiroshi Koizumi and Elliot Rahal. Uh, art by uh, Dyke Ruin. Colors by uh, Mikael Mueto and letters by Andwell Design. So yeah, a great little book and uh, fully recommend it if you enjoy your cyberpunk. Um, so moving on from that one. So you've just got done with the anime and wild ride that it was. Uh, your buddy now whips out this DVD of this obscure 70s science fantasy flick. And who are you to argue? So this is where we come into Engine Ward. So this is the second preview that Vault gave us. And Engine Ward hits shops in July, uh, in July this year, July 15th. That should be on the stands. Um, and... Engine Ward is a it's something unique in that it's it's a, a science fantasy tale of this ilk. You don't see this very often anymore. It kind of fell out of favor and out of style to have 
pure science fantasy in in movies and stories um i think hard sci-fi kind of took the spotlight a little hasn't it in recent years leon yeah to some degree i mean in different forms of fiction i think it's still lived a life but i think we just it's it's not like um it's not getting the adaptations uh or the attention that it once did exactly so synopsis for this uh earth is an ancient myth long forgotten now the world of the godlike celestials is absolute the word sorry of the godlike celestials is absolute and they rule with brutal efficiency when joss an engine ward discovers and reactivates the head of an ancient golem she finds all is not as intended her destiny and that of her world lies somewhere far beyond the borders of her shanty town and uh what a great opener to a what what I appears is going to be some kind of like sweeping epic. Um, so this is like science fantasy, a la stuff like Zardoz, um, and that kind of if you can imagine that kind of stuff, like um, in the way that cartoons like He Man, uh merged tech and magic so it's like laser gun and sorcery instead of sword and sorcery is the way i'd look at it Hmm. um science fantasy in that it it kind of like it's it's out there beyond out there so is the best way for me to describe science fantasy for anyone who's not up on what it could be um star wars counts as science fantasy and so does doom yeah. which I didn't realize until recently. Um, but you've got like um, this whole, I, I can't decide with this whether it's post-apocalyptic or dying earth. Um, I think I would put this more in the dying earth. Uh, yeah, I would say it's, it's yeah. dying earth because it's, um, there's a history to, to the planet and there was like civilization and stuff before but it mm. feels like it's beyond that point and yeah they they've rebuilt but like the history is still underneath the earth mm. so yeah it's it's interesting that we don't get an awful lot of these types of stories these days and and like this this whole techno fantasy thing it has going on i can't it, this is like great water and i enjoy swimming in it <laughs> um this this kind of like this dying earth story this um this science fantasy stuff this this stuff that you can get like pretty out there with like you can immerse yourself in it and you can be somewhere entirely different that has no roots in this world whatsoever and i really enjoy that like they have it's like where you go so far into the future that language has evolved to the point where they they're, they're using words and phrases and, and and talking about things that that we would never be able to imagine or would never have hmm. in in this time now it's like it, it's that i enjoy that it's also that you thing know? of like where you go so far into the future that it looks like the past in some way yes yes um and yeah, like one one of my favorite things about this book actually is the designs of the celestials. They're like these these zodiac inspired beings. Um 
they appear as gods to the surface dwellers, but actually they appear to be um, as hu- as as human as you and I, uh, which I haven't quite made my mind upon yet. Like I need more of this book. <laughs> <laughs> this 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 preview is not enough. I want the f- I ah. But yeah, it's it's just they they govern the earth from this kind of like arc ship above, and like it's. I wouldn't it's how, say they're human, like all human. To they're like they're like um, ascended human kind of thing. Yeah, like titans or something, or like yeah, gods like, lower G. Yeah, like they. I think I think what what. what my theory on this is that they left Earth on, on an arc ship eons ago and have evolved to, in a separate way, taken a different branch of evolution to to people that remained on Earth. Maybe because they've retained the knowledge of the technology and everything else, they've modified themselves in some way. Um they've retained the knowledge and the resources to do that i don't know but they're certainly not god gods um, and it, it seems like they've uh some of them at least have evolved in different ways or they're just uh different different uh species slash races yeah um and it just the way this book kind of like plays out and and the way this this book build the world so this this first issue, the way this kind of like builds the world and introduces you to it, I really enjoyed that. Um, and I really enjoyed the design of the ghoulum. So this these these ghoulums are um, like androids, I guess, uh, robots. And you've got this ghoulum called Creek, <laughs> um, who is introduced to us in the first issue, and um, definitely one of the coolest things about the book. Um, he's, uh, he's pretty interesting and he's going to be like, I think he's going to get even more interesting in future issues. Um, and it seems to be like a reference to like the Jewish folklore, uh, golem. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. But like this has like a technology bent. Yeah. And this is the opening to what looks like a grand sweeping science fantasy tale. And I, I, I want to see where we're taking on this one. I want, I want to go to that destination with the creative team. And like, this is, this feels to me like the place where all your science fantasy daydreams come to play. Like that's, that's what I felt when I was reading this book. And it was something that I could just let sweep over me. And it was nice and calm and, um, it was really cool in that way. Um, and I know that I talk a lot about like how when we get pay- we get books like this and we feel like we need these exposition pages um, that you get with um, the Hickman X-Men stuff. You get pages of exposition. You get these like white pages that are just like block of text in between comic. Um, but this, I didn't need it. This was kind of like I didn't need things explaining to me. I didn't feel like I wanted things explaining to me. And usually I do. Yeah, usually you... I get I get thirsty for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was gonna ask, like, what is the difference here? Um 
I think the difference here is that it's I think when when I want things explaining to me it's because I can sort of relate to it in some way as in I can I can pin it to the world we currently live in and things like that but with this being this far flung science fantasy book I didn't feel like I needed things over explaining to me straight away because I felt like part of the charm was going to be in seeing where things go. And it didn't seem like it was intri- it was like with the with some of the the Hickman stories. Um uh one of them in particular actually um that we discussed recently. But it feels like they're throwing everything at you all at once. They just drop you in it and maybe because they just drop you in it you need the the exposition. But with this, it doesn't just drop you in it. It slowly feeds you uh, piece by piece and kind of um, brings you into it slowly. I think that the book I'm thinking about is Decorum. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because Decorum just drops you in it. Um, And you do need the exposition for that because it kind of just drops you in, drops you in hot into the battlefield. Whereas this kind of just like eases you into it. And I think, I think that is the difference. I think that's, that's the difference indeed. Yeah. I mean, you, you enjoyed this as well, Leon. Yeah. I thought it was quite cool. I I like um, how unshackled it is really. Um, Obviously I could see this as being like a, say far future star wars story in some ways mm. um the whole thing sort of like i'm not going to go into any super details but uh like the the the, the ghoulams sort of feel like um kind of like droids yeah uh got bits of like c3po in there and having like a uh a character who's good at fixing things and like this, there's a lot of tropes in there, but it, it feels quite, um, I don't know, quite fresh in ways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, despite it being like a sort of desert planet, or, or not planet, but like a desert-looking uh, place with loads of um, history under the surface, I do love how sort of fresh and vibrant uh, a lot of the book is and how there's kind of shades of not proper shades but there's a few shades with like um saga in terms of like the the ruling class so i i do love that this sort of uh kind of sand pit they're playing in it's it's quite it's quite fun and it opens up a lot of possibilities Mm. um i'm really appreciative of the lettering Uh, i love lettering that is like um sort of pushing the needle a bit and playing around with the form and we get things like um uh, letters semi interacting with with like things uh like people or things in the panels and i I quite like that it's um I know, like, like it pulls you in in a way, and it makes like the onomatopoeia of, of some of those action uh, sounds sort of pop a lot more. And I just like different things, like um, just 
dialogue and uh, speech bubbles being colored in different ways, depending on, say, the tone of, a, of what a character's saying. Like, you don't usually see that, like, tone being conveyed by a, a different color. So I, I uh, usually it's like an, in a, uh, the letters or the panel are shaped or um, written differently with a different typeface or something like that. So it's quite enjoyable to see uh, a different way of uh, expressing change in moods or change in uh, modes of speak and when someone's quoting something or something like that. And so I find that to be uh, quite cool. And I, I think that more than just being cool, it really does make reading the comic more enjoyable. It, it helps pull you into the story more. It's almost an unconscious thing that your mind's automatically like slipping into how you'd expect the character to be thinking or talking about this particular thing. So, mm. um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite appreciative of that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a, a super rich concept. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I am 100% on board. And for more of this, we, I think we need more stuff like this sometimes. Um, it's, it's good to be able to have something that you, you don't want to challenge it. You just, <laughs> you just want to read it. So far in the future, you can't argue with it. <laughs> that's, that's the whole point. But yeah, so that is Engine Ward number one. That was written by George Mann. Art is by Joe Eismer. Colors by uh, Michael Garland. Lettered by Hassan uh, Otsman Elhau. And uh, I edited, I believe, by Tim Daniel. That is published by Vault Comics and will be available on the 15th of July. So again, if you can pre-order it safely... And and you can you can if you can get a physical copy safely, then do that. Um, but yeah, it's it's worth it, and I want to I want to go on this journey. <laughs> I want to see where this goes. So that is Engine Ward. Um, next on the list, I mean, I've read a couple of things here myself. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to dive into something I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. I keep alluding to it. I mention it on. I've mentioned it on several previous casts. I think I think for the past few months, every time I've brought up Michael Elred, I've brought up this book, <laughs> this David Bowie book that he's done. Now, this is Bowie, Stardust, Reagans, and Moon Age Daydreams, which is a graphic novel I have had my eye on for a long time, finally got around to purchasing a copy. I discovered this book out of my insatiable appetite for anything that Mike and Laura Elred have worked on. I came to this book primarily as an Alred fan and a comics fan, and I thought it looked really cool. As a music fan, it was interesting to me to read about how Bowie, uh, to read about Bowie and learn about how his music and performance were an inspiration for many of the artists that we enjoy today. To be able to trace back and see where ideas take root and then blossom through ages. So to to be able to read this. And and this being like the kind of like the base of the trunk to see Bowie as the base of the trunk and then to be able to trace back to Bowie like other things that I've noticed in music by other artists. Things that they share 
with with Bowie's music, th- things they share musically with Bowie, or even performance-wise, like to to trace back and see where the ideas take root and then blossom. This book provides exactly that, exactly this this. Uh, um, it gives you the ability to do that, and it, it's like it's given me a renewed and deepened appreciation for David Bowie. Uh, and like from reading this, I, I fell into a wormhole. Um, I'd read a couple of pages of it and then I'd go put like the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the spiders from Mars or diamond dogs or something like that on <laughs> and just listen with a deeper appreciation mm. and understanding of what this man was trying to do or achieve. And I think this book was the key that helped me unlock that. And it helped me to understand that at the root of it all, at the root of all of Bowie's art was identity, like his very being and your perception were his canvas and his chosen medium was persona and identity, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. So like what, um, what would you say are highlights of the book that really connected you in that way? Um, just, just like, the way that Alred's art is is perfect for illustrating and communicating such abstract notions and ideas. Like the way that this book through Alred's art and through these kind of like um, psychedelic, spacey or abstract images that he creates in this book uh, in, and the way that he puts you into these psychedelic dreamscapes. Like it doesn't just put you in the moment, but you, you don't just get dropped in the moment, you get dropped in the feeling with some of these layouts. Mm. And the way that it does that and the way that it illustrates um, the kind of the feeling of being at, of seeing Bowie perform live or the way it tries to capture things like that is just, I think that is what does it for me because you can, you are in it when you see these pages you are in it and and you can hear it and it's perfect for that you know these these solid black lines and bright colors and it's just it's just perfect for that and for illustrating that and for 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 illustrating this abstract idea of of him creating these identities and then when he is done with these identities he he kind of like lets them go slakes them like a snake changes its skin um and then he changes and comes back as something else Hmm. like the difference between ziggy stardust and then him changing and coming back as as a different character as halloween jack yeah um you know and and it's just the highlight of the book was that basically and and the book was also you know meticulously researched and it captures a point in musical history with great detail and clarity. Um, I did learn an awful lot from this book and it takes its rightful place as one of my favorite graphic novels on my shelf. And it's just the fact like you can, you can see the definite influence like in other bands now, like, like with my chemical romance, for example, they're changing aesthetic, like how they present themselves and how you perceive them through their performance and the identity they present being as important as the music. Like for example, the black parade, as a concept album that the artists lived in with their performance. Like they were the black parade. They weren't just playing the black parade. They were the black parade, Hmm. especially in that music video, you know, and they, 
they embodied it and the way that Bowie did that and embodied his music and the way that this book illustrates how he did that. Um, I think it's something truly special. And um, if you are a music fan, uh, you owe it to yourself to grab it and maybe you'll discover something new through it if you're not already a Bowie fan. Yeah, I was going to say uh, or ask uh, for like listeners because I'm like a big uh, like uh, Bowie fan. But like for people who are not or maybe have only tangentially heard some of uh, his stuff or are young and not really been exposed, do you do you think it's it's still quite effective for them? Oh yeah, definitely. I think I think this will. I think you, I don't think you have to be. Um, you, I, like I mean, I don't think you necessarily have to have a great knowledge of David Bowie going into reading this book. Hmm. I don't think you necessarily have to be. Um, a huge Bowie fan um, going into this book as in like you don't have to know every you don't have to have been exposed to a lot of David Bowie growing up or anything like that I think through this book you can discover David Bowie that's cool yeah I think I think this is this is like your uncle when you're a kid handing you a David Bowie record or your cool cousin playing you some Ziggy Stardust or something and you being like wow what's that kind of thing and then, like, this book is the equivalent of that. So buy it and give it to someone young. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> if you're an uncle or, you know, you're a cool dad or you're a cool mom or you're an, a cool aunt or a cool cousin or whatever, buy it and give it to a younger relative. You know, introduce them to a whole new world. But no, yeah, I, it's um, it's definitely got that quality about it in the fact that it, it is, like, you can you can read it and through it you can discover something new so yeah definitely i mean like it, it definitely it even like i i quite like david bowie's music i've i've you know been i've i would never have said i was a huge bowie fan and that i knew everything about david bowie or whatever else but um and i, I still wouldn't be able to say that but i can say that this book has given me a great appreciation of Bowie's music and made me more of a Bowie fan for sure. So yeah, it's, it's worth a go. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I recommend it to pretty much anyone. So yeah, definitely. Um, and that is Bowie. Stardust Ray Guns and Moon Age Daydreams. And it's available pretty much anywhere books are i think at the moment um and uh i think hardback is kind of like how it comes um i don't think there's a softback version yet um and it is published by insight comics uh your team behind that one you've got Steve Horton and Michael Allred wrote the book. Uh, art is by Michael Allred. Colours by Laura Allred and uh, Han Allred, which is Michael and Laura's son. And uh, forward by Neil Gaiman. So it's worth a look, definitely. It is a real... Uh, is a real well-crafted book, that. Um, moving on to the last one. Uh, that we have for you today. This is something called the Ghost Fleet, the whole goddamn, th and this is the whole goddamn thing. 
So this is a comic called The Ghost Fleet. This is the collected edition of it. This is the whole goddamn thing. Uh, the collection itself is called The Ghost Fleet, the whole goddamn thing. Now, how I missed this the first time round, I don't know. Because when I read off the list of credits, Leon's going to interrupt me and go, what? So this is written by Donny Cates. The art <laughs> is by Daniel Warren Johnson. This is colored by Lauren F. And this is lettered by Crank. Now, um, this was like a chance discovery of mine. Like I purchased it alongside a second book, which is the first four chapters of Daniel Warren Johnson's webcomic called Space Mullet that I'm very much looking forward to talking to you all about. I need to read it first because I haven't fully consumed it yet, as in like read it, thought about it, read it again, written some notes about it and had something interesting to say about it other than wow. So yeah, I have to ration these things as well because there's only so much of it out there. <laughs> um, so yeah, like Daniel Warren Johnson's art is just so awesome. Like my obsession with his artwork began with Extremity, which we've talked about on the cast. Mm. And then we had Murder Falcon, which we've also talked about on the cast, which was metal as fuck. And uh, we've discussed both of these previously and at length. So this is the Ghost Fleet, the whole goddamn thing and trucking hell. It is one action-packed, like, explosive thing. Like, the um, the synopsis for this. For the world's most valuable, dangerous, or secretive cargo, you don't just call any trucking service. You call the ghost fleet. When one of the world's most elite combat-trained truckers takes a forbidden peek at his payload, he uncovers a conspiracy that will change his life. And the world forever. The critically acclaimed eight-issue miniseries is collected for the very first time in one deluxe over-the-top volume from Donny Cates uh, and uh, the incredible Daniel Warren Johnson. And this is Ghost Fleet 1 to 8. Uh, um, what an absolute triumph it is. Um, so this is DWJ, Daniel Warren Johnson, doing what he does best, with Donny Cates doing what he does best, and Lauren F. doing what she does best. And everything about this book is Gorgeous. It also happens to be metal as fuck. Uh, <laughs> the whole goddamn thing start to finish. I feel like it was just the distillation of too many nights ending drenched in beer listening to ACDC's Highway to Hell. Um, this book is hard action dialed up to 11. Uh, it's like the Fast and Furious with Shades of Mad Max and then Walter Peck shuts off the containment grid. Uh, <laughs> so it's it's um, it's um it was a joy to read. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's right up your alley yeah there's some gorgeous full page work here and some severe action shots and explosions and i swear like i lost my eyebrows reading this like looking at some of these explosions these these like full pages of fire and things and then like i could feel it singeing me like you can feel the speed on some of the pages as well like when blows connect it is visceral when when people punch each other and whatever when noses are broken you hear the crack it this is in no small part thanks to the colors they elevate the already amazing artwork to a whole other level um so the comic a comic that is centered around 18 wheelers so this is all about trucking and uh this kind of like clandestine freight service if you like um that will um transport valuable often supernatural or occult cargo across the u.s um under heavy guard and like 
when it gets into it and you have these panels of huge trucks barreling down the highway at full speed, you can feel the weight and the size of these things. Like it's like the, the, the 18 wheeler itself is very central and you can feel that and see that and experience that through reading the book, which I think is kind of great. Um, the character designs are great. And like when it gets into the real wrath of God stuff, like revelations, the apocalypse, like I'm not going to spoil the story, but all of that, like the designs of the supernatural elements are so on point. It's unbelievable. Um, this whole idea that things are more of a force than a life form kind of explored through the design here like um one of the four horsemen death like the physical form of death is, in in this book is eldritch and gargantuan and fluid mm. it's like this leviathan and it's like you know like when you get these actual descriptions of angels from the yeah. bible like in ezekiel for example where angels are actually these terrifying beings with form yeah. are alien and almost defiant of comprehension like that is what they're doing here um, and I love everything about it, and I urge you to grab it. And I'm completely disgusted in myself that I somehow missed this before. Sometimes they um, just slip by, man. <laughs> I, I know. It's mad. It's mad. Um, and the way it ends is absolutely perfect. Like, this was a comic that was originally published 2017. So, yeah, it's just... It's something else. Like, yeah, it's... It is fantastic though, and it is totally worth totally worth a read. And there's a really cool interview at the back with um, Bonnie Cates and Daniel Warren Johnson as well. Um, and I think, like from here, I, I'm going to be reading Space Mullet next, which I've got the first four parts collected, but I don't know if you can get parts four like um, five to eight yet. Um, I don't know if they've that you can get five to eight in print because I haven't been able to find it anywhere. Hmm. So I can read the first four parts here in print, and then I can read five to eight online. I think because this is volume one, like it says on the spine, volume one, and there appears to be eight chapters when you look at the website for Space Mullet. So we'll see, but that's that's also sounding great, and that's going to be something I'm probably going to talk about next time. But that brings us to an end for the comics this week. We don't have a pull list for you this week because um, obviously with everything that's been going on, we don't really know. <laughs> so maybe next time I'll be able to put a pull list together and like I'll have more of an idea of what's coming up and what you should be going out and getting and things. Uh, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes with the return of comics, which is happening this week uh, at the moment, actually. Um, when you're listening to this, it will be New Comic Day. There will be an NCB, uh, MB, NCBD, New Comic Book Day. So that has been Ace Comicals episode 89. You can find us at www.acecomicals.com, which is kind of the hub for everything we do. Um, we have a new intro theme now as well, actually, forgot to mention. Yeah, so uh, you will have heard it at the beginning of this episode, but we have a new intro. Uh, and that is in no small uh, part thanks to um, my brother's band, Beef De Reef, which you can find on uh, Spotify. That's Beef De Reef. That's B-E-E-F-D. Um, is it apostrophe? It's an apostrophe, isn't it? The one that goes at the top. Like, my grammar's so badly. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> an apostrophe and then Reef. R-E-E-F. And uh, it's a song called Bud Rot. Uh, that we have used a sample of for our intro. Uh, so you should go and check that out on Spotify. Um, it's 
pretty heavy, pretty punk, apologizes to nobody for anything. Um, and uh, it's really cool. I've seen them live a couple of times. They're good. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're available on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Castro, Overcast, Pocketcast, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Um, you can go to our Kofi and you can donate the price of a coffee. That's Kofi.com slash Ace Comicals. Uh, you can buy t-shirts. Uh, we have t-shirts available at uh, acecomicals.threadless.com. Um, any money that we make off any of this goes back into the fund for keeping the podcast alive. So uh, it all pays to keep the website hosted and everything else. So uh, we're trying to be self-sufficient here. We're trying to grow our own vegetables. Um, <laughs> Ad-free. <laughs> the AC allotment. Yep, ad-free. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that says Comicals. Uh, Leon, where can we find you? You can find me uh, on Twitter, at Leon Everett. And remember, Black Lives Matter. You can find me on Twitter at Bato at B-A-T-T-O-U. And you can find Ace Comicals under at Ace Comicals. Find us on Facebook at Ace Comicals. Uh, you can send us a message. You can DM us. Um, you can get involved with the conversation. You can at us um, however you want. Um, and that's Ace Comicals over and out. Black Lives Matter.